welcome to Let's Talk Law, the Law Careers podcast for students at King's College London. I'm Caroline Lintner, one of the careers consultants for the Dixon Poon School of Law at King's. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Tantan for the final episode of Series 4. Let me tell you a little bit more about Sarah. She studied on the LLM in Intellectual Property and Information Law at King's, graduated in 2022. Prior to enrolling on the course, Sarah qualified as a lawyer in France, gaining experience both in-house and in law firms in litigation and commercial law. When at King, Sarah specialised in data protection and in February 2021, she joined Information Governance Services, where she is now a consultant advising private and public sector organisations, including within the NHS, on a broad range of data protection and information governance matters. Sarah is also currently working towards the Certified Information Privacy Professional Europe Certification. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. It's wonderful to have you here on Let's Talk Law. Hi Caroline, thank you so much for this introduction. So my very first question for you, uh, Sarah, because I think it's important that people get context about why people make decisions um, in their academic and their professional lives. Take us back a few years um, to your decision to study law in Paris. What was yeah. driving that? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So there is there are two components here. Uh, why law? Um, I think during and after high school, when you have to decide, I really processed by elimination, really considering what I like to do and what I am good at. Um, and so I decided that law would be great because I like reading, I like analyzing, writing and all of this. Um, I didn't have like a lawyer in my family to inspire me. Uh, my parents didn't go to uni, so it was my decision. And then why Paris? Because I'm from the south of France, so I was also feeling a bit stuck. I wanted to move out, uh, to move from home, to get out of my comfort zone, to grow up. Um, and I wanted the, the best university for that. So I decided to apply uh, to go to the Sorbonne University in Paris because it was one of the best. And since I had to move out, then why not go for the best? So I, I applied um, to get on these double degrees uh, programs because that was the only way to to get into the, the Paris University for me, and uh, and it went well. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he had that experience of of living in a uh, in a city, and uh, and then you eventually, once you'd done all your academic uh, qualifications, you had, uh, as as I said in the introduction at the beginning of your career, you trained and worked in commercial law. So I guess it's obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Was that always the plan? No, no, it wasn't a plan. I think I went into law without having like a specific field or sector or specialty because I didn't even know what law mean, meant at that time. So um, I, I did a double bachelor in law, in law and art history um, because I had this idea of working in the art market at the beginning for an auction house, like as auctioneer, for example. Um, because I liked the idea of law, but it was a bit scary because you don't know exactly what it is. And I liked art history. So I was like, oh, there is a double program to do this. 
So there is like there are some jobs at the end of it. So why not trying this? Um, and I did internships in art galleries to understand a bit more and to see. And I figured out it was not really for me. And at the same time, I was developing this interest in corporate law and commercial law. And also because I was good at it and it's always better uh, and easier to learn something and to progress when you like what you're doing. And also, I think it's important here to highlight the importance of getting practical insights and experience, because otherwise we idealize a job or sector and our idea doesn't really align with what it looks like in practice. So I think these internships were really useful for me because otherwise I, I would have yeah, stayed with this idea in my mind. Um, so yeah, I switched to, to commercial law. I did my master in business law uh, and this is what I liked at the beginning. Um, and I liked it in practice for a while. Um, practicing law was really what I liked and enjoyed doing. Um, my internships in law firms, I really liked it. It confirmed my choice, which is great, uh, because sometimes you arrive at your master level, you have no idea what's going on, you have no idea what it looks like in practice. Uh, but I knew at that time that I, I did the, the right choice. Um, so I was working in commercial law and then I I decided to to switch again. <laughs> yes, and, and that, that brings you to to your time moving to London. So here you are having um you know got your bachelor's and your master's in law and you know seemingly doing well in your career and then you decide actually I'm going to relocate to London. So talk us through that process. Why did you make that decision? So yeah, it may seem quite surprising uh, from the outside because I had my job, I had everything in Paris, I was there, I had been there for eight years. Um, so yeah, it, it was a combination of factors really. Of course, my family was worried also because I decided to move countries and quit everything in the middle of COVID. Um, so they were like, are you sure you yes. want to do this? Um, so I enjoyed the job in itself in the law firm. But I started to think about what I want for myself in the long run. Um, and so professionally to achieve my goals, it became evident that first I needed to improve my English and having experience abroad would also be very valuable because I was, I was in business law. And so obviously things now, everything is international, right? So if yeah. you want to progress in your career at some point, if you want to have a higher role, you will have to deal with international clients or international partners. Uh, and my English was terrible. Um, so that was the first the first uh, element. And then also professionally speaking, because I was doing business in general, I wasn't really focusing or being an expert at anything uh, yeah. because business law in itself is still quite broad. So yeah. I developed this interest. I've always been interested in technologies and fundamental rights and freedoms. And with all the new technologies, uh, I wanted to learn a bit more about this intersection with law. 
And so I decided that I wanted to specialize in data protection and IP in this field. And then personally, personally, again, I was feeling stuck again. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, I needed to change my environment to get out of my comfort zone because I wasn't progressing that much anymore on a personal level. Um, so all of this together, uh, my choice was London because it was still uh, it was still an easy choice for me because it's not far away from my yeah. home, uh, for my family being in Paris and London, it's the same for them. Um, and it's it's easy to go back if anything was to go south. Like if something happened, like I still had the option to come back home. Yeah. But with COVID, not not certainly. But um, it was not that scary. It, it's not that far away. I've been to the city before. I, I knew I liked the vibe in London. Um, so yeah, I quit. I applied to London, to King's College London. Uh, got in, I was very happy and moved to London. <laughs> and that's interesting that you did that all in the midst of a global pandemic and, and you won't have been the only person to have made big decisions. I think the pandemic certainly has it's been shown through so many stories that we've heard professionally and personally over the last few years that people make big decisions and they re reassess what's important to them and that sounds exactly that was part of the process for you so tell us about your time at King's I know you've only just actually finished properly with us but you know what was it like academic highlights and, and what you did outside of your studies because you probably had an experience of two halves didn't you lockdown and then some easing of restrictions Yes, I definitely wasn't the only one to do that. Um, I found against a lot of people in my situation. I think the situation even brought us closer. Uh, even if we couldn't see each other that much, we valued the time we had together even more, if that makes sense. So in general, I, I loved it at King's. And even if I finished my master. A few months ago, I don't consider my time with Kings being over because I met with people from all kinds of backgrounds and countries. Like I encountered a diversity I never experienced before. And yet we all have something in common. And I say have because I still have my friends from Kings and I think we will always be in touch and stay in contact. And I found that we all have this desire to find our place to and to contribute in a way. And so in London and at, at King's, there is this stimulating environment and mindset, which I was looking for, which is challenging and exciting and which make you makes you want to progress even more personally, professionally. Um, so academic highlights, I would say um, studying for my practice project with Professor Mostert was definitely the highlights. Um, so the module is Global Digital Enforcement of Intellectual Property and Information Technology. And what we did is that we were encouraged to write a practice project rather than a dissertation, which means uh, we we had to apply our findings to the reality and highlight practical legal risks or even propose new changes to regulations to improve the current system. And that really 
appeal to me because I like practical exercises. Mm. <laughs> so we had in this module, we had visiting guests all year to inspire us and get practical insights from professionals. So we had people from the London Police, Alibaba, uh, the Vienna Museum, Stella McCartney and other organizations. And also I got the opportunity to attend the Luxury Law Summit in London. Uh, and for me, it was a great event because my project was related to the fashion metaverse. So getting into this event with so many professionals and workshops and seminars in that field was extremely valuable. And then outside, outside of my studies, so I did a few things still at King's uh, because there are so many things we can do uh, outside of the curriculum. So I did the King Civic Challenge um, where you can, so you support a charity to, to achieve their goals. You are in a team and during some months you meet with the team, with a charity, and then you present, uh, you present your project basically. Um, and you can get funding for, for the charity. And then I did uh, one case for the King's Legal uh, Clinic, which was uh, a good experience as well, because it was totally outside of my of my field. Uh, so it's another outlook on another legal uh, field. Uh, I tried um, I tried a law mood that I I never did that before, but I was like, why not? Let's try. So it was the Global Day of Action for Climate Justice. I I don't consider myself good at public speaking or oral communication in general, so I wanted to challenge myself and and try a, a, a mood for this. And then I did the AKC program, the Associateship of King's College program that I really wanted to do because it's this multidisciplinary program where you have lectures that can be on philosophy, economic, religion. And I think it's important to always have uh, other fields, other perspectives in mind. Um, so I, I did all of these things and I think there are so many others that I wanted to do as well, but <laughs> the, the, the offer is so broad, you, yeah. you have to, to choose at some point. And yeah, and then I found a job because I was doing the, the master part-time. Yeah. And yeah, the plan was to find a job and, uh, and I did. Um, so I was working at the same time. Yeah. And we'll come on to that in a moment, but it's very interesting what you say about, well, a couple of things there. One is that um, doing your project on the fashion metaverse, that that interest in arts hasn't left you, has it? <laughs> so there's that connection there. And also um, uh, the AKC, uh, we've had another guest on, uh, Michael Pettingale, on this uh, series of Let's Talk Law, who did the same thing whilst he was doing his history degree at King's, and he talked about how good it was and how enjoyable and a way of seeing things in different ways which has have helped him in his legal career so th that's fantastic that you had that experience too so you've just said it you were working and studying at the same time which is no mean feat how did you manage that uh, yeah, it's a lot of time management and organizing schedules um 
But yeah, I, I decided to do the master part time uh, first because I wanted to find a professional experience on the side. And also because of the pandemic, I knew that the first year would be mostly online. Yeah. So I, I wanted to, to experience it uh, in person as well. So I, I decided to go for, for part time. Um, I think I was uh, I was lucky because the organization for which I work was very flexible mm. in a way that I could choose uh, days where I was studying and dedicated my time to studying and going to my lectures. So I was working three days a week for some months and then I was working four days a week um, depending on my schedule. So yeah. I, 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 I still chose my modules as per my preferences yeah. and then it all kind of worked well because some of them were in the evening. So it was easier for me to organize my, my agenda, but of course it meant that I studied during the weekends and during my own time. It wasn't that complicated during COVID and lockdowns. Yeah, and for sure. There was nothing else to do. You, you had yeah. to, you're either working or you're studying, right? You couldn't really go out and enjoy life in London back then. Yeah, so in that sense, I think I kind of enjoyed having the two because it kept me busy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then it's also, I think it works because you are studying and working on the same things. So it's complementary yes. and it's very useful. And it's actually helped me to have the practical insight to study and also to have my study, my plan, my readings. It, it all came together and made sense yes. quicker, I think, by having uh, the, the professional view at the same time. Yeah. And we'll come on to talk a little bit more about your current role uh, in a moment. But uh, I am also interested to know, and I, I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking this, um, when you came to London, I mean, you, you talked about wanting to get uh, experience of a different specialism, which is what you have done. But did you, you know, what was the career plan, if there was one? Did you consider qualifying as a, as a solicitor in England and Wales? Because you're French qualified, but you're not qualified England and Wales and many of our students as you will know Sarah uh, are just are considering doing the latter or feel they have to do the latter and I'm really interested as someone who's just left our LLM program as to you know what that was like for you and if there's anything you'd say about that. So when I came to London I didn't have in mind like oh I have to qualify that wasn't in my mind at all. I, I knew there was like the distinction between solicitor and barrister, but that's yes. it. Uh, I didn't look at how to qualify. I just went through the process in France and it's hard. It's yes. long. It's a it's, long process in France, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's long time. It's dedication. Um, and I'm glad I did it in France, but it wasn't my plan to, to do it in the UK. I thought that I could find a job without having the title. Um, of course, it's it's difficult. Uh, I think especially from for international students and international professionals, most of the time the only solution you think you have is to qualify because otherwise without the title, you will not find a job in the legal sector. 
which I don't think it's true. It's hard, but there are other positions where you don't need the title because you actually can do the same job or most of the work that you do as a solicitor, uh, you, you can do it without. The thing is, having the title allows you to have a broader, I think, uh, to have a broader range of opportunities because yes. you have the law firms. But even in law firms, I think they are changing a bit their minds because a lot of people in London are international and especially European lawyers or, or even from America, you have a different title. And because their clients are international, they may be interested in you, even if you don't have the solicitor title in the UK. Yes. So I think it's also trying to get in, even if you don't tick all the boxes, uh, you can do that. And my plan <laughs> was very general. I was just like, I will find a job in the legal sector. I can do that. And uh, I find I found my job in the King's career website. Um, and it was actually uh, an ad for a trainee position. So I didn't want it to apply at the beginning for a trainee position because I considered that I had experience uh, and I wanted to, to stay on that level. But then because the ad was so interesting and because I felt that if this is the organization I think they are, they will find a place for me. And this is what happened. Um, so I yeah, just apply and try um and not be afraid to do that it, it, it is very easy to think that just doesn't fit for me they, they're not saying what i'm reading about I, I i'm either overqualified or actually that's they're not recruiting for that position so why would they consider me but something obviously made you decide to give it a go and, and here you are um not having 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 worked for them part-time but now you're working for the full-time as a consultant so so tell us about your role and what it is that you actually do for them. Okay, so yeah, I don't think there is uh, underqualified or overqualified. Like if you are interested in a firm, you can just apply and see what's going on. And maybe this organization will come back to you and say, oh, we don't have a position for you right now, or you can apply to this role instead, or we will just keep your CV. In, in any case, I think it's positive because you will just get worst case scenarios they just don't answer and yes. you have no regrets but in the best case scenario you can get a contact you can get a return a feedback something else so uh, i would encourage in any case to apply yeah um so my role right now i'm information law consultants uh so that means i provide advice on a range of information governance and data protection matters um, so we are mostly in the public sector, so our clients are in the field of healthcare, uh, so that's why we have uh, NHS clients. Um, so I apply on a daily basis uh, the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, um, the Data Protection Act and, and other kinds of, of regulations. Um, so yeah, that means we have clients for who we work uh, on a regular basis um, so as advisor consultant and for others we have specific projects mm. um, so adult projects we can it's very diverse we can draft data sharing agreements 
data processing agreements. Yeah. We, we draft data protection impact assessment, like all the documentation that you need under the applicable regulations. Yeah. And then we also we also can support thinking like strategically. How yeah. do you want to use this data? What framework do you need to do that? How to do it lawfully, ethically? So there, there are lots of of components where we can help with. Yeah, it sounds it sounds very varied, and, and presumably that's part of the attraction of this type of role. Um, and in terms of um, you know, I, I guess I as I, I could hazard a guess at what some of the main themes and trends might be because data and our online platforms and uh, you know all of our usage has changed so much in recent years what are the most important trends would you say that you are seeing in your work at the moment Sarah so in our work like from an organizational perspective what you're saying it's absolutely true and it's there is an increasing demand, I think, in data protection, cybersecurity, just because data is everywhere, is being yeah. used from for like every company, organization, they need data at some point. Um, so for the organization, there we are hiring all the time. Uh, I think in all kinds of organizations, they are building new teams, they are hiring data protection people, um, and the demand will stay high, I think, in this yeah. field. And work-wise, what's very interesting in our field, so because we are in healthcare, mm. so we are dealing with clinicians, with hospitals, uh, with all these very bright people that are trying to implement new technology in healthcare yeah. to to improve really the healthcare services that we know right now. And that means implementing artificial intelligence, machine learning, predictive medicine. And it's it's so sim stimulating to be able to be part of something like that mm. because there is a lot of, at stake really, like depending yeah. on how you use the systems yes. and how you use the algorithms and the data, we have to make sure that we do this the right way. Um, so yeah, I think artificial intelligence is 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 starts to to be implemented everywhere, like slowly, little by little, and there are mm. lots of questions still to answer. Even from from a legal perspective, uh, we don't have a lot of legal frameworks. So there there is GDPR, and there are some initiatives at the moment. And also, this is why the field is. That's interesting. It's yeah. because the legal framework is being built right now. Mm. So yeah. depending on what the UK decides to do, depending on what the European Union, the US, like everyone is kind of looking at each other. So what do we do with algorithm? What do we do with AI, with privacy? How do we deal with these topics? So, yeah, so that's never a better time than to be in this field, right? I mean, and I'm not expecting you to comment on my next point, Sarah, but with um, public sector and I mean, we're recording this in October 2022, um, coming out of the pandemic, ostensibly um, NHS never been under more pressure. That And it's very politically a hot potato. I mean, it must be a very interesting space just to be part of and, and navigating, because as you say, there is a lot riding on on a lot of this stuff and how we get public services more efficient. Um, so I'm not expecting you to comment on that per se, but I imagine that must be very, very interesting. 
Um, what skills and knowledge do you think you've been able to use from your academic studies uh, at King's, hopefully, but also perhaps from when you were back in Paris in your current role? Because I think that's something that's really important for our listeners to understand. How, how does what you've studied and spent all that time doing translate practically? Yeah, I think that's a good question because last studies are, are quite long. I mean, you have a bachelor, then you can do master, and then if you want to qualify in any country, it's a long process. Yes. And most of the time, the first years, you just wonder, but is that useful? <laughs> do, do I really need to know all of the things? But I think what we learned during these first years is a methodology and just being able to analyze something takes time. And so I think the knowledge and skills, mostly the skills that you get at uni is this ability to being able to read a huge amount of literature and doing research on your own and then presenting it in a simple, as simple as possible and digestible way because this is what you do in practice for your clients. You do all the research, you do the analysis, and then you have to give this back to them in a way that is useful for them. So they don't need 40 pages of legal analysis. They will ask you at the end, so what's your advice? What do I do with that? So this is what, what we learn at, at uni in academic studies. Like also the attention to detail, so the critical analysis when we are reading cases analyzing the different arguments. Um, I think that's useful in, in practice. Uh, it, it becomes useful. Um, and then I think in law, it's also the ability to adapt to different kinds of fields um, because you specialize most of the time at the end in your master, but before you study a range of different Kind of topic, the family law, corporate law, public law, everything. Um, first, because you don't know which one you will practice, but also because it helps you to think differently because all different topics have a different mindset, yes. if I can say that. Yeah. And I think it, then in your professional life, it's very useful because you become agile and you can adapt to different problems that your clients will have. Yeah. And that whole point of, you know, the client will always ask, well, what does this mean for me? You know, what's your advice? But is it going to solve my problem? Is it going to help me? And presumably that's, you know, that's whole part of, of what you're learning at university to try and distill those facts and apply them to the situation that you're dealing with. Yeah, I, I think at the beginning, in my first internships, I was very bad at this because I would just submit pages and pages of research and then the lawyer or the partner, they will ask me, yeah, but what's the conclusion? You yeah. didn't even answer the question. And I think it's because I was too academic of focusing yes. on writing, 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 but then it doesn't solve the problem. And at the end, in a professional setting, what you need is problem solving people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sarah, I could speak to you all day, but I'm not going to be able to because it would be a very long podcast if you're a busy woman. Um, my last question for you, um, what advice would you give to students and recent graduates who are looking for employment at the moment? OK, so I would say I said before, uh, apply, look at what is 
out there, I think in an open mindset, uh, because there are many other opportunities that we don't think about in the first place. Um, and maybe you can find your happiness somewhere else. And <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just looking everywhere, I think everything can be an opportunity to learn. Um, yeah. So even in lockdown, for example, you could you can find ways to, to, to progress. Of course, you're limited, but then you can still learn online. You can still volunteer online and then now like, everything is open again. So we can volunteer. We can take part in activities at King's. There are so many things we can do. Um, and that helps building your CV, but also learning yourself what you like to do, what you want to do with your professional life. So I would always encourage students to try different things. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a great piece of advice. And I also know that you're very active with our alumni network as well. And obviously, as an alum, you're on our podcast. So presumably that the network of fellow students is presumably a helpful thing that students uh, currently studying should be tapping into as well. Yes, of course. Uh, uh, when I was sitting at King's, I had like so many questions and I went to former King students, like alumni, and they were super useful. And I, I will always answer <laughs> to anyone coming from King's, uh, like to anyone in general, of mm. course. But uh, yeah, we keep this community sense and we will always do anything we can do uh, to, to guide and advise people um, in this in a general way. Um, so yeah. this is something that I'm also looking forward to uh, meeting other alumni and see what what everyone has been up to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Sarah, it's been delightful to be chatting with you today. Um, just before I let you go, I want to remind our listeners that we'll, we'll be back with a new series of Let's Talk Law in early 2023. But in the meantime, on behalf of our listeners, thank you so much for joining me this morning, Sarah. It's been fantastic chatting with you. You've had so much useful advice to give and share with our listeners. Um, and, you know, we really look forward to welcoming you back to King's and a whole variety of capacities um, in, the, in the not too distant future. But thank you very much for, for giving up your time today. Thank you, Caroline. Have a nice day.